Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Sobolewski, and this is the final and third episode of the third toxicology season that Suzanne Mazur, toxicologist from Seattle Children's, and I put together. And this episode focuses on iron toxicity. And most kids that ingest iron-containing products are fine, but some aren't. And you might not know who the sick ones are right away. So for the final episode of season three, Suzanne, take it away. Hello. Today I'm going to talk about pediatric iron poisoning. As you know, iron is frequently prescribed for prenatal anemia, other causes of anemia, and is widely available over the counter as well as a supplement. Annually, there are about 11,000 iron exposures in children younger, younger than six years of age. But This actually used to be a lot worse, and due to some safety measures and improvements in packaging, the overall number of exposures in this age group, including major effects and death, have actually decreased when compared with the period from 1990 to 2000. Nevertheless, we do see kids who get really, really sick with iron toxicity, um, and this is due to both unintentional, usually in the toddler age group, and then also intentional iron ingestions. So we all need to know about the toxicity of iron supplements and how to deal with iron poisoning when we see it. There are lots of different formulations of iron that are prescribed and available over the counter. And each preparation has a different amount or may have a different amount of elemental iron in it. And when we think about iron toxicity, we really wanna know the total dose that the patient received of elemental iron. So not the total dose of iron, but the total dose of elemental iron that's been ingested. Prenatal vitamins are famous for having the highest concentration of elemental iron per pill. And these are especially important to know about because as you know, Toddlers are often around pregnant parents. Uh, Somebody who has a newly born sibling or a pregnant mother is especially at risk of an accidental ingestion of prenatal iron or prenatal vitamins. We think about this in terms of elemental iron calculation. And if you have a product ingested, you can look at the bottle and see how much elemental iron is in each pill. There's a calculation that you can do that's easily found online, or even easier, call your local poison center and have them help you with a calculation of how much iron has been ingested. The mechanism of action of iron toxicity is actually direct cellular damage. Iron has a corrosive effect, so it can cause some GI bleeding and GI damage. Also, organ failure and lactic acidosis, along with the cellular damage that it causes in the body. So definitely iron is something to worry about when you see it's been ingested in a large amount. We get a little bit concerned when an amount higher than 20 milligrams per kilogram of elemental iron is ingested. Usually we're very much more worried as the level increases So 40 per kilo is kind of our trigger level um, at which almost everybody should have medical evaluation. 
and then 60 milligrams per kilo of elemental iron is generally thought to lead to severe toxicity. There are five stages of iron toxicity that are typically described. Stage one, which usually happens the first four to six hours to post-ingestion, think about the GI tract. Usually these patients, if they have severe enough iron poisoning, will have a lot of vomiting. You can see hematemesis because of GI corrosive injury, as well as abdominal pain and diarrhea. If you have a child who does not display these symptoms of phase one, like abdominal pain, vomiting, or diarrhea, and six hours have passed, then you're in the, you're in the clear zone. Children who do not display phase one symptoms for six hours post-ingestion are unlikely to go on to have any further sequelae. But if you do see vomiting post-iron ingestion, you can consider that stage one. Stage two is what really scares us as toxicologists. It usually happens sometime between six and 24 hours post-ingestion, and we call it the latent phase. But latent does not mean that nothing's happening. It just means they may not have any clinical symptoms. Usually those patients who have had vomiting in phase one may have resolution for a time of those GI symptoms. But ongoing acidosis and organ injuries are still occurring. If you have a patient with a very severe ingestion, they may skip the latent phase altogether. But don't be reassured necessarily if your patient starts out with vomiting and then suddenly gets better because you just might be in stage two, which typically, again, happens sometime in the window between six and 24 hours after ingestion of iron. So let's go on to stage three. This is when stuff gets real. Um, stage three is usually starts sometime between 12 and 48 hours post-ingestion. And this is when they have continued acidosis, but also begin to have hepatic dysfunction, which is usually um, described or um, noticed because of coagulopathy, hypoglycemia, and hyperaminemia. They may also have hypotension and shock. And this is because the iron itself is cardiotoxic and has some negative inotropic properties as well as vasodilatory effects. They also can have, these patients can also have hypovolemia because of the vomiting and the GI losses that have persisted or begun in phase one. In in stage three, you also may see the GI symptoms return. You may see CNS abnormalities like altered mental status and seizures and coagulopathy, as mentioned before, because of the liver insult, and also the iron inhibits the entire coagulation cascade. And they may even have acute lung injury or ARDS. So stage three is really, really bad. You will not miss this clinically. It's multi-system organ dysfunction or organ failure. And hopefully all of these patients will be caught during phase one or phase two of ingestion and not have to display these phase three findings. If you make it past stage three to stage four, which is usually two to three days later, you may see hepatic failure um, because the liver actually concentrates the majority of the absorbed iron and iron-induced hepatotoxicity is really, really bad. We usually only see this with severe ingestions, but it's something to be aware of, which is hepatic failure in stage four. 
And then stage five, which happens weeks after the ingestion, sometime between two and eight weeks post-ingestion, can consist of GI damage, like strictures, fistulas, and obstruction. So now let's talk about management. What do we do when we see an iron-poisoned patient? Well, the first thing to do is determine the dose of elemental iron that was ingested. And this can be challenging depending on what formulation was ingested and what specific preparation was ingested. But the easiest thing to do is call your local poison center or toxicologist to assist with this as it does matter and it helps triage these patients into mild, moderate, and severe risk of toxicity. The lowest risk patients um, are those who have ingested less than 20 milligrams per kilo of elemental iron. Make sure this was accidental and not intentional because if there is suicidal ideation, then the patient should be evaluated before being discharged. In addition to uh, less than 20 per kilo of elemental iron ingested, not suicidal, we also want to make sure that the patient has been symptom-free after ingestion for a total of six hours, meaning no vomiting and no GI distress. If those things, if those criteria are met, the patient can likely be discharged. Otherwise, we go forward with studies. Some studies that may be useful include a serum iron level. There's no nomogram for iron toxicity. It's kind of a combination of the level, which is elevated in addition to the mental status, the symptoms, and electrolytes and liver function tests. But that being said, a level of greater than 300 micrograms per deciliter of iron is concerning. And above that, we worry about potential worsening toxicity. Usually, peak levels for toxicity occur around four or six hours post-ingestion. So that's the right time to measure your first iron level and talk to your toxicologist and poison center about the results. Other labs to consider when you're drawing the iron level include acetaminophen level, especially if this is an intentional ingestion, electrolytes because renal function and glucose can be abnormal with severe iron ingestions, liver function tests, especially when the patients are very sick because as we discussed before, iron can be concentrated in the liver and cause hepatic failure. We also want to potentially think about getting an abdominal x-ray if pills were ingested because they are radio-opaque. And sometimes we can see them in the GI tract, and it's important to know if pills are there because it may affect our choice for management. So now let's talk about therapies for iron toxicity. Number one, always ABCs. Make sure you have adequate fluid resuscitation as these patients often are vomiting and having GI losses. If you're thinking, oh, this is a time where I might give activated charcoal, you can skip it for this ingestion. Activated charcoal is not useful for metal ingestions like iron. It does not stick well to iron. And so therefore, unless there's a co-ingestant, I would not recommend giving activated charcoal for an iron ingestion. Something that may be useful, however, depending on how large the ingestion is and if you see a good amount of pills in the GI tract, is whole bowel irrigation. So this is similar to a GI cleanout where we usually place an NG and wash through the gut with go lightly until the rectal effluent is clear, until the pills are gone. So this is something to consider when you have a patient with a large iron ingestion 
They need to be stable enough to tolerate a large amount of fluid going into their gut. So before starting this, it's reasonable to talk to a toxicologist and make sure that it's the right therapy for this patient. And finally, the relatively definitive treatment for a patient who has elevated iron levels and is sick with iron toxicity is chelation. And the chelator drug of choice in the U.S. is deferoxamine. It's an IV drug and it chelates iron, binds to iron, and lets it be excreted through the urine. Deciding about giving deferoxamine has no definitive trigger. There's no nomogram like there is for acetaminophen where we say, hey, this level is something that's reasonable to start chelation for. It's kind of a combination of elevated uh, iron levels and the entire clinical picture. So usually I need to see an elevated iron level along with a patient who's having severe iron toxicity before I will recommend chelation with deferoxamine. We usually give this IV, and the rate is generally 15 milligrams per kilo per hour. Defroxamine does have some side effects, the most important of which are acutely are hypotension, some abnormal vital signs, both tachycardia and bradycardia have been reported with defroxamine administration. Sometimes patients can get ARDS or acute respiratory distress with defroxamine, so we have to monitor them very closely. And then also, this is a board's question, so remember this. Um, there is a risk for Yersinia enterocolitica sepsis, both with iron toxicity, but also with prolonged treatment with deferoxamine. So we usually try to get the deferoxamine on and off within 48 hours so that we decrease the risk for Yersinia sepsis. When we use deferoxamine, will often cause red-looking urine. This is called by toxicologists sometimes vin rosé urine, and what you're seeing there is the complex of iron and deferoxamine combined being excreted in the urine. So when you see this, it's actually a reassuring sign that your chelation is working. In addition to this, we follow iron levels and we follow the patient clinically. So remember, fluid resuscitation, think about whole bowel irrigation, and consider chelation along with talking with your local toxicologist and poison center. So in summary, respect iron poisoning. It can be very severe. Have your poison center or toxicologist help you with calculating the amount per kilo of elemental iron that was ingested and go from there. Respect vomiting. If your patient is vomiting, don't just give Zofran and move on. Think about iron toxicity and make sure to watch for six hours and make sure that the vomiting has resolved and the labs are normal before deciding that you can move on to another cause of vomiting. And just remember in general to respect iron, even though it's over the counter, it can be in a very high concentration, especially in prenatal prescribed vitamins. That's all I have for today. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you again, Suzanne. I hope that you found this episode on iron poisonings informative and educational. Plus, uh, you know it's going to show up on the board someday. Anyway, any feedback that you want to leave, send it my direction. Future podcast season topics? Let me hear them. General advice about the podcast? Great. DMs are open? Shoot them my way on Twitter. Email. Facebook messages. Reviews. Old-fashioned letters. Postcards. All feedback is good feedback. And, oh yeah, this whole season of podcasts can get you CME and MOC Part 2. Details on PEMblog.com and in the show notes. you got to listen to the episodes and complete four multiple choice questions. 
I think you can handle that. For Pem Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast, this has been Brad Soboleski. See you next time.